We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, Yummy Mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and everybody listening. How are you? I am really, really good. I actually have a bit of a funny story. So we, as I mentioned in an episode recently, are heading off to Bali soon. So obviously to go to Bali, Pearl needs to get a passport, Mm -hmm. but I obviously had to wait until I got her birth certificate before I could go get the passport. Anyway, anyone who has got a newborn passport photo done before will agree with me that it is the most ridiculous process ever. So we went to the post office this morning. They had us like holding her up in front of this white screen, but we had to have like a white muslin over our hands so that our hands weren't like in the photo, but obviously they're going to be in the photo under the white muslin because, like, she can't hold her head up. She's, like, four (laughs) weeks old. And they have to be making, like, eye contact with the camera and it was, like, hold her head up a bit more, hold her straight. No, her eyes need to be open. Oh, no, she's crying. Oh, no. And I'm, like, there's very few times in the day that her eyes are open or she's awake and she's not crying because most of the time that she's awake, she's wanting milk. And once she's had milk, then often her eyes are closed and like just like all these things and we're trying to hold her up like baby Simba on Pride Rock like and they're like oh no her head needs to be further forward anyway ended up getting the photo taken it's literally all chin there's no way they're gonna accept it in any way shape or form I just know how strict they are and anyway so I'm talking to the post office lady and I was like oh yeah um when Poppy got her passport done they like lay her down on the floor rather than having to hold her up. Like they lay her on like a white background and they're like, oh yeah, we're not allowed to do that because we're not allowed to hold cameras over the baby's heads. Oh and I'm thinking, gosh. oh shit, something's gone down where a baby's had a freaking camera camera dropped, dropped on, on their head. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that's fair enough. But God, it was so much easier. And as we're saying this, we're like, oh, it's so ridiculous how much goes into the newborn photo when they're allowed to use it for five years. Like, you know, they change so much. Even a three-year-old rocking up could literally use anyone's passport photo from when they were five weeks old. But then the penny dropped and I was like, fuck. And Nick's like, what? And I was like, Poppy just turned five. And he's like, oh, no. So we've just had this realisation that hers has expired too. So now you've got to go get her hers done. So then I was like, oh, just screw this whole thing. I know the photo's crap. We're going to have to come back to get Poppy's passport photo done anyway. Like let's just try again with Pearl there. So I'm having to do mine because I need to change mine from my maiden name to my married Mm -hmm. name because I'm sick of my passport not being in the same name as all my other ID. Have to do poppies and I have to do pearls. And oh my God, doing the applications is just the most grueling process ever, especially because right now my brain is, it's like, it's not firing at all on all cylinders. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like on the birth certificates, what's the difference between the registration date, the certification date and the issue date? Like, I don't know. This is just above my pay grade. So that's my vent for the morning. They look like a potato in the photo. So stop making it so strict. (laughs) They should just have literal any baby and be like, okay, just sign for them and play on. There there is no real, because if you had to fly out, you know, within a week of 
of having a child, you can't really keep their eyes open at all. Like even oh, and the thing weeks, is, she's at that age where every day she changes. Like everyone's yeah. like, oh, who does she look like? And I'm like, oh, well, one minute. She'll come back into the country and be like, hang on, no, that's the wrong child. And you'll be <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah. no, no, she's just changed in a week. Her nose is completely different. Yeah, I know. <laughs> look, she changes from one feed to the next. But how are you going? Your um, Harry is overseas, so you're yeah, on your so- own this week. How's it going? I am. So over the weekend, we dropped Harry at the airport. He's heading to Vietnam for 10 days and I've already had random cows on my lawn. I've had to take the bins out and you sort of start to really- I take the bins out. That's when the feminism leaves <laughs> my body is any time a bin has to be Mate, taken anywhere. Mine is like a kilometre down the road. So it's yeah. not like an easy just let's go to the end of the driveway. It is- a smelly bin in the car all the way to the end. Let's so you not- have to put it in the back of your car. Yeah. Like he usually if Harry's home, it's in a ute and it's straight down the end. But because it's in my car, it has to go in with us and I have to hold my breath and then put it out. How do you lift it into the car? Well, it's all bags, so I've lifted it oh. out of our home bin and recycling and then I've taken it down. It's a it's a big, big ordeal. And what I want to say is I really – you start to appreciate the little things your partner does when he's home because I never get – like I don't care about the bin, but he's a real – like he gets really intense about putting things in the right spot because it is an ordeal and I'm like, whatever, I don't care. It's just the bin. And now I'm like – I totally understand what you're saying. It's a really big deal. And so now that he's gone and I'm understanding this, I'm like, okay, note to self, the bin is a big deal. So I actually posted a photo last night of him leaving and had a lot of messages saying thank you for normalizing um, parents taking solo trips. And I wanted to thank people for appreciating that because Behind the scenes, it actually takes a lot of trust, love and support to be okay with your partner going away and you being at home, you know, holding down the fort while they're away. Or the Um, other way around, yeah. Vice versa. And like this wouldn't have happened last year or even six months ago, but we're now finally at a stage in our lives where our kids are at a good age and, you know, we're able to go and do this for ourselves and learn about ourselves and experience new things and have the independence to do this. And it's just such a nice thing. Like a lot of people were giving their experience of when their partner goes on fishing trips and then they go and do something. And it was just a really nice thing to see that people enjoy doing that. I actually had on the other side of things, people message and say, I just don't know how you're doing it. Like you've got three kids, you're, you've got a job. How can you actually do that? I would worry that, you know, it's all going to fall apart. And for me, since having kids and since going through and understanding how my brain works, I hung up my hero boots and just sort of said to everyone that I needed, I need your support this week. Mm. Like Greta, I said, I need you for a few days if you can. That would make me feel really comfortable at home. Mm. She said, absolutely. We'll watch maths. We'll cook dinner. The place will be cleaner than, you know, Harry being there. So two women yeah. in one <laughs> kitchen, it's going to be great. So that's I was going to say, great. you learn the things they do and then you realise all the yeah. things you do for them as well. And you're like, okay, the bin's were crap, but God, it was good not doing your laundry or whatever the roles are. And then I've got mum coming up um, in the next few days and then we'll go up the coast and I've done lunch orders for the whole week. So I don't have to worry about lunch orders and it'll probably be takeaway for most of the nights, but I'm just really trying to make it as easy as possible because I don't, I spoke to Harry today, I FaceTimed him and we were having a conversation about something and he could see that I was stressed and he's like, I can't have a good holiday if I know you're stressed. Like I need you to be happy. And it really is true. So we sat there and I was just telling him what I was stressed about and we worked through that. And then he left knowing that I was in a good place and I knew that he knew that I knew that I was in a good place. But (laughs) And someone knew something. (laughs) Someone knew something somewhere. So it was good. But I guess I want to say is like we absolutely, we love traveling with our kids, but over the years and plenty of experiences (laughs) that, that we have had, we've just consciously decided 
to put our money and time when it comes to traveling with our kids and without our kids into certain areas so we can fill our cups up in a whole different variety of ways. And right now, this has been incredible. Like obviously I went to Bali a few weeks ago and now he's going to Vietnam and we spent, you know, nights leading up to this because he was a bit anxious. He's like, I'm going on my own. I haven't done this for like since we had kids. This is a weird feeling to have. Mm. And so we just sat there together and worked out where he was staying and if that was going to be a good idea. And I started to get FOMO and I'm like, oh, I want to go, but I can't. But it's just it's just a really nice thing to see him go and do something for himself. And I know he's going to come back and appreciate me and I'm going to appreciate him. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's really fitting with today's episode. It's all about, you know, not just filling up the cup, but, you know, finding pleasure in parenthood. And I'm listening to you talk because I feel like Nick and I were almost at that stage. And then yeah. we went and had a newborn. It's an age, well, it is. It's, and so now we're back and maybe in three years' time we'll be able to do it again. Yeah, and it does come down to the age of your children and also how long they are okay. Like you sort of have to gauge. I mean, we went. I went for about 10 days with Greta, my sister-in-law, to Bali, and my husband and I agreed that 10 days is the max yeah. for our kids to be okay with us individually going away. They just... They, they need us. They, they're mm. used to the support and the way things work. And also it's, it is, it's, it's a challenge being a parent when this is not your norm. Like when yeah. your partner is away, like kudos to the people that have FIFO partners, but for us, we are always together. And when we're not together, it is a real big difference for everyone. And I get anxiety because I need to make sure that all my kids are, you know, they feel safe and they feel comfortable at night. And for me, that's usually quite a big, scary challenge. But I did, I just put those little security blankets in place and we're getting through it day by day. So yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Well, I've got my equivalent. The night okay. that this episode comes out, I'm off oh, to Harry yeah. Styles. And look, okay, it might girl. only be a few hours, but when you've got a newborn, that is the equivalent of 10 days in Vietnam, let's be honest. You take what That's you all can my get. titties will be able to handle. <laughs> um, and I am so excited. And oh, golly, golly gosh. What do you think that Harry will still accept me in a leak proof bra? And my moddy body. <laughs> I absolutely think he will. If he sees dripping tits in the <laughs> in the middle of the freaking stadium, I think Some he's going to throw be... their shoes and panties on the stage. <laughs> I just squirt milk in the performer's in eye. eye. <laughs> yeah, you've nailed it. You've I'm absolutely so excited. nailed it. But I was having a laugh listening back to this week's episode. So we chatted to Regan Fig, and she is all about finding pleasure in motherhood. And this was actually recorded while I was heavily pregnant. I hadn't had. Pearl yet. And I laughed. I still agree with the sentiment of what I was talking about, but I laughed at the risk of a once a week cleaner making life too easy. And now that I am a mom of three, I am like, oh, you're an idiot that you thought a cleaner was really even going to make that much of a difference whatsoever. Like my house is just anyway, but I just had a little giggle at that because Ignorance was bliss, but the sentiment is still there. Oh, the sentiment is always there. Even if it lasts like 30 minutes, it's like, oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) I tried. I tried. I've got a Rudolph Fabulous this week and it does kind of follow on from the Rudolph Fabulous last week, which was that a listener's partner works at a jail and accidentally in front of all his colleagues, the computer was blaring about Maggie's episode all about, I think, how to self-pleasure or how to get steamy in the bedroom with your partner again. So it's, it's similar to that, but story for you all. My husband and his father jumped in my car to go pick up dinner. I was mid listening to the podcast when I drew and last and it started playing automatically. It was right at the moment where Lola was talking about masturbating in acting class and he goes, <laughs> what the fuck kind of podcast have you been listening to? <laughs> 
<laughs> what was it? No, Lola, you got to feel it in your feel clit. clit. Imagine if you jumped in the car and your father-in-law heard, no, Lola, you've got to feel it in your clit. <laughs> That is, that is. I think I would just recline the chair and just hope to disappear. (laughs) And absolutely melt away. All right. So here's the mum hack. It's from Kim Halberg. I was struggling to get my 15 month old to eat his sandwich. I popped it into the waffle maker to toast and now he happily thinks he's eating waffles. She said she should clarify it's chicken and cheese. She's not putting Vegemite in the waffle maker. (laughs) (laughs) I read that one and seriously considered going to Target and buying myself just a cheap waffle maker because my kids love getting waffles for breakfast. I reckon I could put anything in the shape of a waffle and they would eat it. So Beyond the Bump listeners, if you try this out, please tag us and let us know what you managed to get your kids to eat in the shape of a waffle. Absolutely. Now, for anyone that hasn't yet subscribed to our newsletter database, I suggest you do so because this Thursday we are going to have exclusive photos and information about Sophie's birth, which is very exciting. I, I feel like when I say Not that, I should kind be saying Pearl, I feel like I should be saying Pearl's birth. It is Pearl's birth, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was... Heavily involved. Like you were there. You were there. there. I did a bit, but like, yeah, I guess it was her birth. But yeah, no, it's it's not going to be X-rated, but we are going to leak some things on Thursday and then next Tuesday (laughs) will, lots of leaking, and then next Tuesday will be the actual birth story episode. Yeah. But we hope you enjoy this week. Enjoy. Hello, Regan. Thank you so much for joining us again on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We were just discussing, I think it's been two years since mm. we caught up. We were in the the depths of lockdown, I think, last time we chatted. Now, how are you? How have you been? And for those who haven't come across you before, what do you do and who are you? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's so many all. Questions. That's all. <laughs> how long do we have? An hour. <laughs> Great. Yes. Thank you for having me back. It is such an honour to be back here again. And hang out with you guys. So, well, I'm a mama to three little babes, six, four, and almost two. I am now a published author. I am an NLP practitioner. And what does that mean? So, neuro linguistic programming. So, it's all about kind of understanding like the subconscious for behavior change. And yeah, I'll just wrap it up in that little package. And is that adults or kids? It can be both. I mean, I only work with adults. That would be interesting to work with kids. But even still, you could totally, you know, the questions that you ask and it's all about kind of seeing things from different perspectives and being able to be open to different ways of thinking and behavior change. And I typically coach and mentor mums who want to experience a more pleasure-filled existence, whether that's caring for kids or building their businesses or doing their work in the world or in partnership. Yeah. Oh, so not just sexually. No. And that's so interesting you bring that up, Jade, because I think majority of mothers, particularly in those early years, would see the word or hear the word pleasure and just straight away be like, no, that's not for me. 100%. You know, because there is that socialized idea that pleasure equates to sexuality. And so how did you get into this domain of pleasure? Your new book is called A Mother's Pleasure. You know, how did you get into this and why did you feel it was important enough to write a book on it? Yes, yes, yes. Um, Okay, so, well, if we go back those couple of years when we were chatting, that was me really diving into, you know, how I could fill my cup, how I could do things that, you know, would probably come under the banner of self-care because I'd had that experience of postnatal depression and anxiety and insomnia after my first child. And then when I soon after fell pregnant with my second, I was really conscious of not just being okay this time, but can I actually be good, you know? Mm. And so that's when I started to really explore how can I lean on different activities, practices, mindset shifts, what things can I lean on that are going to help me to actually feel good this time around? And I think that's sort of where we touched on our our last conversation. And since then, it has been another, you know, evolution with another baby not long after the second. And that was a question of that I explored of instead of can I just be okay? And then there was the evolution of can I be good? Now it's like, can I be fucking amazing? 
Like, can I actually relish this? And yeah, can it feel amazing? And so I started to discover that in order for us to, it's like pleasure is the next level. It's kind of like the tip of the pyramid here. And like self-care is kind of in the middle somewhere. Because Mm. I think particularly as mothers, we can, when we start to be okay with giving ourselves permission for things that would be considered self-care, it's almost like there is a barrier there. There's like a ceiling. And beyond that of just experiencing pleasure for pleasure's sake or doing things just because we want to or because they feel Mm. good, there is that whole nother layer there. And so that's what I started to meet and started to explore and started to notice and experience a whole range of different like narratives that I'd internalized around, is this frivolous? Am I worthy of this? Have I earned it? Um, Have I been productive enough? You know, all of those kind of things. So yeah, so for me, I went really deep dived into opening to pleasure, you know, seeking it, experiencing it, welcoming it, And I discovered there is so much that we can uncover and dismantle and reshape and reframe in motherhood around pleasure for sure. How important is changing the narrative? Like sometimes you're not really aware of what you're actually saying to yourself Mm. and it can be so detrimental. And until you're aware of what your thoughts are actually saying, and changing that, making a conscious effort to go, actually, you're making that up in your head. If you actually just change the story, this whole thing, this whole day could be completely different. Oh, totally, totally. And I think that's something that we dived into in our last episode. And I'd sort of mentioned then even I was sort of scaffolding, and we all do this, we can scaffold our life around things that we've believed to be true from something a complete like random person, stranger has said to us or we've even heard, you know. And so the importance of that is like reclaiming our life for ourselves, reclaiming what we actually believe to be true and what actually is aligned for us and what feels right for us. And then using that, we can then decide to create a life that we want, you know, rather than just kind of flowing along this undercurrent of like unconscious narratives. It's so interesting because when you were saying, you know, I I feel like because there is this narrative going on, it makes me feel uncomfortable when you say you can just do things just because there doesn't have to be a reason behind them. And I think that's so often a way to get rid of mum guilt and that feeling of selfishness is we so often say, oh, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup or, or you know, it's not being selfish because if the, if the mother's not good, the family's not good. But why does actually everything we have to do for ourselves even have to have totally. anything to do with our family? And okay. I feel like that is the next step that it's like the self care realm that we talked about last time was filling up our cup and that's almost the bare minimum and then why don't we go to that next level where it's like well this actually has nothing to do with anyone else and who cares if it actually doesn't make us a better mother yes exactly right I love that you bring the conversation here and the thing is the byproduct of pleasure and doing things for pleasure's sake is actually giving to others so Mm. whilst it doesn't even need to be in that narrative that's actually what happens but yeah exactly right like I wonder if there's other groups of people who are like oh I can't just sit and enjoy this coffee because that's what I want to do or you know what I mean so it is a really great thing to consider like well hang on why is it that it needs to be that I'm doing this to have an output over here to give to somebody else or you know I can't pour from an empty cup in terms of like giving it to other people. So yeah, that is exactly. And it's so interesting, Soph, that you said how it made you feel uncomfortable to even consider that. Because I think when when we explore this work and when we explore like opening to our pleasure, it's on a whole different paradigm. It's like outside that fish tank, that, that construct of motherhood. And that feels uncomfortable because it's not what we've known for our whole life. Like Mm. it's something that is new and it is something Mm. that we've been socialized out of you know Mm. we've had an entire lifetime of being socialized to be the givers and 
to do things for others. And when it looks like doing the opposite of that, even if it's just on a surface level, it feels really uncomfortable because it does go against what we've been socialized. My psychologist has actually said you you give so much to everyone and everything that you end up putting yourself so far down the bottom because you don't actually appreciate yourself enough. Mm -hmm. And what I had to learn was to wake up and have a boundary, a really simple boundary of saying, I'm going to have my coffee on my own Mm. before anything else happens. And you would think that would be a really easy thing to do. But when you consciously wake up and think, I want to make everyone else happy before me, because that's just going to make me happy. It actually doesn't. When I sit there and I have a coffee in peace and I don't pick up my phone and I just sit there, Mm. I feel so proud. And it's a completely different level of pleasure. It is having a coffee and knowing that you're doing something for yourself, something so, so simple. And that has been something that I've had to relearn since having kids and becoming a mother because I forgot all these tools because I really just processed having children over my time was more important. Mm -hmm. And it's just been a massive journey of bringing myself back a little bit to go, hang on a minute, I am important as well. And if you cannot have your own freaking cup full, then everyone else behind you will eventually suffer. Yeah. And I think that there is part of changing that socialization. You know, it can be actually really easy to follow along that kind of narrative of like, oh, I have to do all the things and, you know, I have to come last. And, you know, in, in a way that can feel more easy because it's, it is that kind of flowing with that socialization and that narrative. But when we do step into that opportunity to actually take responsibility for the way we experience our day Mm. and our life and take accountability for how we feel and how we are reacting to our children and how we are in connection with our partners and with the ones that we love, it it can feel uncomfortable and it does then feel big when you do that because you are actually like rewriting, you're rewriting neural pathways in your brain, you're rewriting like social constructs, you are actually creating cultural change in your family which then flows out into your community, you know. I think if we are desperate for some kind of culture change where the mother doesn't have to be the martyr, like it starts with us and it starts in our Mm. households and it starts from like, you know, the way we then carry ourselves forward into our day, the way we move through our day, our interactions with others and, you know, our children seeing us doing that and modelling for them, yeah. And I think it's great like with more of these conversations and people being more quote unquote real on social media, Mm. we've become more accustomed to the reality of what motherhood is, which I think is really great. But I think we also have to remember that it doesn't all have to be suffering. Like let's also show the parts that are really great too. And I think sometimes when people show the great parts, it's like, oh, you know, this is just a highlight reel or that's not really what motherhood is like. But I I think it can also be detrimental if we get to the point that it's like all we're showing is the monotony and the mess and the chaos and the negative of it. And I think when I said before that I felt uncomfortable with what you're saying is I'm wrapping my head around, you know, going into having a third child. And I know it's going to be chaotic and at other times it's going to be beautiful and at other times it's going to be really, really hard. And, And I've said this in other episodes that I feel super grateful and in a place of privilege that my husband's been like, let's try and put as many supports in place before we have this baby Mm. and we can always pair back. And there is actually this uncomfortable thing in me where I'm like, that feels over the top. Having a newborn isn't meant to be easy. Not that it is going to be easy regardless, but like that seems over the top oh, there has to be suffering almost. I don't even know how to articulate it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Does it feel like I haven't earned it? It's too much. It seems excessive. Yeah. Yeah. You can't hack your way out of becoming a new parent by having a cleaner come round and 
doing an extra day of childcare. Like it almost seems like it's the easy way out and and, and you're cheating or something because yeah. it's meant to be grueling because it's young parenthood. I don't know. It's this weird guilt thing in me that's like, no, that's not experience. But is that society making you feel like that? Well, it's obviously my own shit, but like Nick's like, well, I would rather we spend that money on making parenthood more enjoyable than like on something else that's like a big expense that you don't even really think of. And yeah, it's this thing that I'm working through where I'm like, oh, but like, am I really experiencing parenthood properly who if cares I if get a clean you know, nah. it's just so stupid you when can, you say it out loud and everyone is in different situations but if you can afford certain things and you know what you might be the person that can afford all those things and good for you there's other people that might afford one of those things and good for them but if you can actually put something towards making that new transition easier or better yeah. then like the guilt I just I would do it in a like for someone that has postnatal depression. I yeah. would have done but, it ten thousand times over. You know how I was saying I can't even remember what episode it was in that I was feeling funny about yeah. the girls going up to four days of daycare. Yeah. I think I've got to the bottom of it is that I have this weird thing in my mind that that for me is some kind of cop out. But then I look at the reality of it and like I sent my kids to daycare today. By the time I got them there at 8.30, I felt like I'd lived a whole fucking day with them. So I was like, why are you even creating a false narrative that like dropping them at daycare is easy? Like even that Mm. has its challenges. I don't know. It's just a weird thing that I'm working through, I guess. So I think a little bit of what you're touching on there, Sophie, is the idea of essentialism. So I talk about this in my book in that essentialism is this kind of thing that, you know, we have this idea around something and our experience of it is based on what we believe about it. You know, kind of like the age-old experiment where there's wine tasting, like blind wine tasting, and it's the same wine in each cup, but they are presented as one is more expensive, it's got a beautiful bottle, a beautiful label, Mm -hmm. it costs a lot more money. And actually that wine is going to be experienced as more enjoyable than the other one because it's what we've believed to be true about that. It's what we've decided in our mind is true about like the essence of it or the nature of it. And I think what's all wrapped up in what you're talking about here is what we believe to be true about motherhood is that, you know, the the essentialism of it, the, the essence of it, that, you know, we've been told that it is supposed to be hard and monotonous and grueling and we're going to suffer and we come last and all of that. So often then that puts a lens on our experience of it. That's where we as mothers, it's not like we start at a baseline of zero for pleasure in motherhood. We actually start in the red. We start Mm. in the negative because we believe and we assume it to be, you know, a less pleasurable experience. So yeah, if we do begin to change the narrative and do begin to see other mothers actually enjoying themselves, whether that be with their kids or without, or just, you know, moving through their days as a woman mothering, that is when we start to reshape how we perceive motherhood to be and therefore how we experience it. I like that, a woman mothering. Mm. So what are some things that you're doing or you have done that has given you more pleasure and understanding? Oh, okay. Well, uh, so lo- so much I wrote the whole, a whole book about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely read it. But one of the things I really focused on was actually experiencing pleasure when my kids are around, not having to experience pleasure because of them, you know, I think it's really kind of not expected, but it's a lot more socially acceptable to get joy from being with your children in some way or another. And let's be honest, 75% of parents actually hate imaginative play, but we're all expected to be like, isn't it so fun when we do a tea party? When really you're sitting there going, all I'm doing is being told off because apparently I'm not sipping out of the fake cup the right way. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and there will be some days like, you know, and I think you sort of touched on this in one of your episodes too, Jade, where like watching your kids play when you are feeling really fucking down Mm. is just like, maybe it doesn't bring you the pleasure in that moment. And therefore then you add on this whole other layer of suffering 
but I think for me, it was like, well, exactly that. How can I experience pleasure for myself? And pleasure can mean a whole range of things. Like as we started to talk about, and you know, at the start of this conversation, like enjoyment, freedom, peace, creativity, fun, you know, of course, then like bodily and sensational somatic pleasure. But how can I actually experience pleasure for myself with my children on my own? It doesn't need to be in me time. Mm. It doesn't need to be because of my children, but just how can I really open my kind of like having a, a bit of a radar? How can I expand my radar to notice things that feel pleasurable, you know, and actually feel them or taste them or smell them or really opening to all of the pleasures that are available to me moment to moment. And I mentioned in my book, like, you know, if you have like a body, I say, if you have, you know, this book and a body, be prepared for more pleasure. Because the thing is, if we have a body, we can experience pleasure. If we can be in the present moment, we can experience pleasure. If we can tap into sensuality, you know, our senses, we all have senses. And when we can heighten our senses, we can experience more pleasure. So what are examples of like things that you can do around your kids but not for your kids? Like like what is an example of that? So if we want to talk about some kind of like bodily, sensual type pleasure, it's literally just connecting with your senses. I wonder if we talked about this in the last episode, but I'm going to bring it forward again here because it is so important not even so important, but just there's so much bang for your buck, right? I share the story in the book about how I can experience things in a completely different way. And I talked about getting the kids in the car and getting from A to B. Like that can be an experience where I am like really stressed and my shoulders are up to my ears and I'm annoyed about the noise. And I don't even remember getting from A to B and chances are I've probably been rushed and annoyed and whatever. Or I can like be really conscious to my senses. And when I sit in my seat, actually like feel the support Mm. that the seat gives me and like feel the steering wheel in my hands and notice like maybe the breeze on my face. Maybe I'm noticing what's beautiful around me, like noticing it's jacaranda season. And like this sounds kind of cliche, right? But it actually provides me with a whole different experience. It's kind of like mindfulness, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I suppose sensuality is connecting with Um, your senses. And yeah, you are becoming very mindful of that. Another piece for me is like actually doing things that feel more pleasurable that I would do naturally or not perhaps naturally, but do normally in my day that might not feel so pleasurable because it's so easy to feel enjoyment and pleasure in those moments that we, the conditions are all lined up for it. You know, if we do have maybe the kids are entertained or we've got some time to ourselves, or we're at the beach or something like that. If those conditions are great, you know, of course it's going to be easier to feel more pleasure. But what I really wanted to do was see if I could find pleasure in the things that aren't so pleasurable in the, you know, washing up in the laundry. So for me, that looks like resting or doing whatever the hell I feel like doing when the kids are napping or having their quiet time. Mm. And then when they're up, maybe I'm sorting five loads of washing out in the backyard in the sunshine. Maybe I am listening to a podcast Mm. while I'm doing school drop-off. Maybe I am deciding that I really feel like doing some low-intensity parenting and strapping my kids into a pram and going for a walk. Yeah, so ultimately just how can I make this more pleasurable? That's like a super simple question that typically when we ask ourselves, we can find some answers very readily, you know? Yeah. Do you know how much more enjoyable a pair of wireless headphones make parenting? Not necessarily the hands-on. No, not not necessarily the hands-on parenting. And I don't mean like fully blocking out the noise, but like cooking dinner is so much more enjoyable if you go, hey, but I can get through that like our podcast that I really wanted to listen to or folding up the washing. You're like, yeah, but I'm also listening to an audio book at the same time. Or you can have your laptop propped up there and you're like watching a show kind of like out the corner of your eye. But you suddenly realize that you do get to do these things in the day that you would never have found time to do. And like, I'm really into reading, for example, and 
I love my Kindle because I can take it anywhere. And people always ask me like, when on earth do you find the time to read? And I just do it like when my kids are watching TV because then they like it because I'm sitting on the couch next to them yeah, and I'm having a read and I'm like, well, if they get to rest, then I can rest too. Yeah. I love that you've noticed that. Exactly. And it's funny too, because when you're sort of saying like, I like to read, and this is something I think that with having this book, it's almost like the first little like challenge of like opening to pleasure is like Mm. buying yourself a book and actually sitting down and reading it. And so when, you know, when you notice that like, I actually really enjoy reading I'm going to try and see where I can squeeze that in. That's when you start to like actually notice when you can, Mm. for example, read a book or enjoy yourself outdoors or whatever is your thing that will, that you enjoy and that you desire and that might bring you pleasure. Well, a few things for me that I've noticed this year that I've never noticed before because I've just been a big ball of stress is changing my mentality on a few things. So when my kids are out playing outside, I would walk barefoot on stones and actually Mm. feel what that feels like. So instead of thinking about all the things in my mind, I'm just slowly walking outside. And for them, it just looks like mum's just (laughs) dead mad. No. (laughs) Are they round stones? (laughs) They're on fire. You're causing yourself pain. They're on fire. No, they're not. They're They're like, well, they're like, um, (laughs) what do you call it? It's like gravel. Yeah. Reflexology. Kind it is of thing. like that. And yeah. I've got very I'm just I'm making Melbourne. sure in your <laughs> okay. pleasure time you're not causing yourself no. pain. That's what <laughs> it's a it's a therapeutic way of actually bringing yourself back to your body yeah. rather than you stressing your mind out. And I love it because it takes you away from whatever stresses that you have. And it's such a simple thing like brushing your teeth in the morning with your opposite hand. Doing that for me is a pleasurable experience because I end up laughing because it's so weird and so hard to do. And another thing that I love doing is I love singing. So when I'm washing up and usually when no one's in the house because everyone's like, mom, shut up. But when I'm by myself, I actually enjoy washing up, no one being around and me singing to my favorite songs. So for that, that's made that instead of an anger chore it's been actually a quite pleasurable chore because I've turned it and flipped it upside down so it's just interesting exactly what you're saying these few minor things that we can do just to change situations I mean today I did exercise and I had to do it for 28 minutes and the kids were driving me nuts they were like asking me questions and I just stopped and I was like no 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 I need this for me I looked at them all and I said I love you all very, very much. All I'm asking is for 25 minutes to do this and I'll be all yours. So you can go and watch TV. You can get dressed. You can do whatever. You you can even watch me. Wrestle. Let me. Let me do this. I couldn't say it to the dogs. They were all over me. But you know what? (laughs) In between these moments, Yumi was watching it, doing it with me. One, I like that because she sees, you know, that doing this is making mummy feel good. The other two just went off and got dressed. And the whole thing about me doing this was once again, supporting myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my kids sort of t- started to understand that and see that, oh, mum's looking after herself. And I was, I was happy. I, I was like, that's all I needed to do. That was it. I mean, obviously it's different if you've got a nine-month-old and they're screaming and, you know, you need to change their nappy, but you do what you can with the children and the ages that you have. Yeah, and I think that's the practice too. And I think something that you touched on there, Jade, was, you know, talking about, you know, walking over these stones and, like, you know, on the surface that looks like you're just having a few moments of doing that and bringing yourself your awareness to your body and, you know, not thinking of anything else. But also what you're doing is particularly if it is a pleasurable experience, you're like reconnecting with your body. Mm. And in doing that, you know, your body is the thing that tells you where your boundaries lie. So if you have that connection with your body, you're actually going to notice, you know, when little things that are, that you might not have noticed before, you might notice the yellow flags before they become orange flags, before they become red flags. Mm. And so what that means is you can notice when something is really approaching your boundaries and you can, you've got that space and time to do something about it. 
And the other thing is when like we are connecting with our body and that's the same thing, like with experiencing pleasure, like we experience it in the body and also in our imagination we can. But ultimately, like majority of the time it will be in our body, right? And so we're not just having this superficial sensation of pleasure and ticking that box. We are like reconnecting, like fostering that deeper connection with our body, which, you know, for a lot of us, we may have been disconnected from for a very long time. And just in that, like the things that are created from that, like is things like knowing where your boundaries lie, being able to have that higher, like what I call reactive threshold where we're able to like respond to our kids rather than react. We're able to actually know what it is we feel like doing that day. So we don't kind of decide to take all of our children to the beach when we know that at 8 a.m. we're already at capacity, Hmm. you know, and we can then tune in with that intuition a little bit more. So we'll notice when, you know, we're starting to be bothered by something and, and you know what I mean? So there's just so much to this idea that, well, maybe I am having this little amount of time to walk on my stones, or maybe it is a 25 minute like yoga session or exercise class, but it can be so much more than that. Well, I've noticed that this is all to do with mental health as well. I used to always say, I feel like my mind and my body aren't connected. Like I have Mm. this weird thing, like it's a disassociation to my overall health. And what I've slowly worked out by doing these walking on stones, doing these little mindful things here and there, is that my mental health is actually connected physically so much so that if you do those little tiny works and little, you know, things here and there, it keeps you ticking. It keeps you going over and over. As soon as the balance just halves and I focus more on my mental side, that is where everything just falls apart. So the physical pleasure of doing things, whether it's exercise or singing or dancing or reading a Kindle or just filling up your cup when your kids are, you know, doing their own thing. I don't know. It's just it's such a learning curve. I think it also takes the pressure off because I think sometimes as mothers, you know, so much of our identity is changed or lost mm. or, or there's such a time for growth and rediscovery that we can be yeah. told, oh, you've got to do things that you enjoy. And it's really easy and sounds silly, but it's really easy to think, I don't even know what I enjoy anymore. Yeah. And there's this pressure put on you know, having hobbies. And I'm like, I don't know what my hobbies Quick, are. Quick, I've got to find a hobby. But yeah. something like this is so much more attainable because you're saying that it, pleasure doesn't have to be, you know, leaving the house and, mm-hmm. and you know, do going to this appointment mm. that goes for this amount of time and costs this amount of money, et cetera. It can literally be, as much as you said, you look like you're dead mad, dead mad walking <laughs> around the garden, walking on these rocks, but like, how cool. And if anyone ever asks you what your hobbies are, <laughs> maybe don't tell them it's walking around <laughs> barefoot on rocks. But I really like this idea that it, it can be something as simple as singing while I do the dishes rather than this extra pressure on us as mothers to go, yeah. oh, but I, I I also have to be really into rock climbing and I have to yeah. find, you know, the time in the week to get to rock yeah. climbing training. And I think that can almost be a negative while you're trying to do a positive yeah well and that's the thing and for me it was like you know I had three kids in four and a half years like after my first I was like recovering from depression and anxiety and it was like I have to create a lifestyle rather than trying to tick another giant list of to-dos yeah you know and I've now shifted from this idea of having to like fill my cup because it's coming becoming depleted so actually I'm I'm front loading. Mm. Like all of this is it's all stacking so that who knows maybe I'm operating at 90% at the moment and things are going great. But maybe next week we're all going to come down with gastro mm. and I know I'm going to be okay because of all the things that have led up to this, you know? Mm. And changing it from that paradigm of like I have to have washed the dishes first before I can go and enjoy myself and have a little sing and dance. It doesn't need to be one before the other. Yeah. 
Do you know another thing that really helped me lately is I used to always, I, my laundry's like in the garage a while away. And so everything mm. sits in my bedroom, all the clothes that need to be put away. So every time I go into this space, I'm really angry. It's meant to be a sanctuary. It's supposed to yeah. be a place where you can feel calm, but I walk in and go, fuck, I've got to do all this shit and makes me angry. And my psychologist goes, Jade, pull the clothes out of your room. Don't ever put them in there. Put them in the hallway and then do them in the lounge room with everyone around you. You make this isolating thing where you have to sit in your own room where no one's helping you and you can't do anything but do this. Go and pull it out, sit in the lounge room, have everyone around you, listen to music or watch what's going on and the whole process will become completely different. And this is just one thing that one person has said to me has actually changed like a daily thing for the better. Well, it sounds small, but it's, it's literally huge. like that's you going to bed at night. Like that is a humongous It's, huge. it's just huge. Yeah. So we don't have to do things. Like we don't have to go yeah. out and buy, oh, I'm going to do, te-. and I have done that. I've bought a 10-pack of yoga, but I never could get there as a mum. So yeah. it was yeah. wasteful for me. Well, and that's part of it too. Like I believe that when we reclaim our pleasure, we reclaim our life. What you're talking about here is, noticing that there's something that feels really shit Mm. and how can I actually make it feel better for me? And I did pretty much a a very similar thing in that I sort the laundry outside in the sunshine now. So I changed it around so that we have, you know, the Ikea eight stacker shelves with the boxes and I throw shirts and shorts in different ones. Okay, hang on. What is this? This is a mum hack and we need to know more. You need to slow down. Slow down. (laughs) Let's back it up. We need the Scandinavian name. (laughs) No, seriously. What's the code? And keep going. No, I'm kidding. What aisle? (laughs) Not sponsored. Yeah. So, you know, like the, the Ikea eight box cube, it's like a bookshelf type thing. Yeah. And you can put your little, you can even get them from Kmart too and you get the little fold out boxes. Yeah. So for my kids, that's like their wardrobe kind of thing, their, yeah. their shell, their drawers, right? But you can take the boxes wherever you like. So I take the boxes outside with me with the baskets of washing and while the kids are like playing with the hose or whatever, hopefully not near me. Near <laughs> <laughs> your washing. Yeah. That is fucking genius. We've got shirts, we've got shorts, we've got long sleeves, we've got long pants and, I mean, jackets get hung up but, you know. Another mum hack, because we're just on mum hacks now, is Dog. never buy, if you've got three girls, never buy them the exact same knickers because mentally yes. it's too hard to like work out. So just get a different pattern or a different, you know, label Monday, Tuesday, yes. Wednesday for that child and it makes it so much easier. I just throw socks and undies into one big pile. Oh, I would love like, to do yeah. that. Yeah. I could do that with Harry and I. Just end up with his jobs and he with my G strings. There's a sight. You'd be cozy. Yeah. <laughs> How can we get out of that mindset of the to do list still sitting in the back of our mind when we're prioritizing pleasure? Because it can be all well and good in theory to say, you know, I'm going to find more time for me and do these things that I enjoy. But in reality, that monotonous list, unfortunately, doesn't just vanish when we're happy (laughs) you know like it's still there so how do we do both you mean like when you have things that need to get done that don't feel good how do you make them feel good or well I mean that could be one way to do it but or how do we block it out so that we can actually enjoy the thing that's meant to be enjoyable without thinking I mean like this is like a very specific pleasure thing but I feel like you know I've spoken a lot about the fact that my husband's way more affectionate than I am but I'm one of those people that I'm like yep I can think about being intimate with you when a b and c is ticked off but really we all know as a parent like the list is never ending anyway so how can we go that can wait let's do things that feel good okay a couple of things then if there's things that I need to do you know, dishes in the sink, whatever. Sometimes I don't do them. I step aside and I let someone else step up, i.e. my husband or myself. <laughs> I let someone else time. do it. <laughs> yeah. That's bloody genius. Yeah. And you, you might notice if you do this, it can actually happen quite quickly. So aside from that, if there's things that need to be done right now and, you know, I don't exactly believe that they feel pleasurable for me and there's ways that we can hack that so you can feel pleasurable, I might not have enough time for that today. But ultimately, I kind of just decide to choose it. I decide like 
this is what I'm going to do now. And I'm choosing to do this. Mm. Sometimes I even time what I'm doing Mm. so that I know it might only take me five minutes to hang out washing. And in my head, it's like, oh my God, I've got to hang out that load of washing. And it's like, it, like the actual thought becomes a drag Mm. and the energy is like sucked out of me because of thinking about it and putting it off. So I can sometimes just be like, you know what? It's going to take me five minutes. I've got five minutes. I can do it in five minutes. And the other piece there we're starting to talk about in terms of like intimacy with our partner is that, yeah, it can be really hard to go from being in this kind of frame of mind and this way of being where we are ticking off the list and doing the things and looking after kids. And there's nothing like that's not right, wrong, good or bad. It's like just life, right? That's what we're doing. And to go from that to then try and surrender and open into pleasure with your partner or intimacy, it is really hard because chances are, if you have kind of been going on this kind of hamster wheel throughout the day, there's a good chance that you've probably got like low to moderate high stress levels and you're actually operating from low like to moderate high. <laughs> the whole spectrum. <laughs> All the spectrums, yeah, depending what day it is, right? And you can actually, you're, you've got your sympathetic nervous system activated, which is like your fight or flight. So then to expect yourself to be able to surrender to pleasure and experience touch from your partner, for example, that can actually feel like a threat. Like it can actually feel like a physical threat, even if it's logically what we want, you know, it's like, I want to have this intimate time with you and also don't touch me right Mm. now. And that is because, yeah, we can be in this state of like, go, go, go sympathetic nervous system activated where we are actually kind of looking out for danger. So any kind of physical touch can seem like a threat. Mm. That happened to me today. I literally woke up and he comes into bed because he was sleeping in someone else's bed and he's like, do you want to have sex? And I go, no fucking way in hell do I want to. (laughs) But I actually wanted to, but because I had so many things to do to get up and I had to work today, I was like, don't come near me. And it's really yeah. sad because I guess if I was relaxed and in a state of, you know what, I would have been more relaxed having done that today. <laughs> I should have just done that. But I was just so mad that he said that and suggested it when I had, it's like, do you have any idea how many lists I have in my head right now? And you're just like, let's have sex. I'm like, wow, we need to switch mindsets for a while. And I would be very cruisy. <laughs> Yeah. When you, when you notice that, then you can kind of notice like, maybe I haven't been (laughs) having more pleasure in my day. Maybe I could have more pleasure in my day, you know, or do the things that are going to soothe my nervous system, Mm. right? Walk on more rocks, Jade, who knows? Or cocks, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) you're like yeah go for it (laughs) you do you does he like to be walked on (laughs) see i don't think he cares at all at this time he'll do anything oh that's so funny well and the other piece is then too like chances are then afterwards sometimes we can feel bad because it's like oh fuck like i actually wanted to do that and like oh now there's this added thing of like guilt of like oh it's been too long or you know that kind of a feeling as well, which adds to like making us feel potentially more stressed and, you know, continuing on that. So, But I said to him, I said to him, why don't you start from up here in my brain and work your way down and maybe you'll get there faster instead of just asking, let's have sex. He's like, I'm not going anywhere near your brain right now because I can't get anywhere closer to it. So there is no point. And I'm like, he's totally right. I'm already at capacity and I've if just woken up. If you had taken a slower approach, you also would have been like, hurry the fuck up. I know. I don't have time There's for just, he had no way to go. <laughs> I have to really just, you know, remind myself to just slow down. Or sometimes you just need to know like this morning wasn't it's the a morning Monday. for it. Yeah. It's a big week ahead. Maybe well, tonight. Con- context matters too. Yeah. You know, like it might feel good to have a nice spank on the bum if you're in the mood and in the bedroom or any other area of your house. Like we have to get really creative with small people in our room. <laughs> but context matters. Like I actually don't want you grabbing me on the ass when I'm doing up a child's shoe or no, yeah. dishes in the dishwasher, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 
and there is there is opportunity for turn on throughout the day that's then going to affect arousal and i think this is the thing when it comes to desire it is like a a dual control mechanism in the sense that there is accelerators and there's brakes and so much of motherhood is pumping on the brakes i know you know so much of the traditional you know socialized ideals of motherhood is pumping on the brakes so it is my question to myself and maybe your listeners, like how can I actually start to put some attention on the accelerators? Mm. Not not because, oh, I think I should sleep with my partner more or I should put out more or any of that, but because it actually is turn on for life, yeah. not, not just turn on for sex, turn on for like feeling good. Yeah, You know, you don't have to do anything, but how good do you feel when you are in that mood, you know? I feel like sex is such a part of life for me that when I'm feeling like that, things generally are better. Like it's not like, oh, my whole world feels like it's falling apart. I'm not enjoying motherhood. I'm finding it really hard. But, hey, my sex life is great. Like generally for me in my relationship is a reflection of how I'm feeling about generally yeah. how things are going. Yeah, exactly. You're going to love the book. In 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 the chapter when we talk about desire, it's basically where we're looking at, we, we're filling up our basic needs cup first because then it overflows into our life force or sexual energy. So if you're not feeling that life force sexual energy, your, your basic needs cup isn't overflowing. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. And that that's how you become aware that like, oh, most things feel good. It's because you, your your basic needs cup is already overflowing. I love the choosing of things because I actually do find when it's on my time, I really enjoy things like housework. Yeah. But it's when yeah. they feel forced upon you that you don't like them. So changing that mindset of number one, someone else could maybe do this task, <laughs> and number two, I choose to do this makes a huge difference. Yeah. You know, when you have heaps of lists, like I'm a list person, I wake yeah, up, open my notes and my yeah. list and my husband's the same. It's, this is what I've got set out for my day. And I once, I know I keep talking about my psychologist, but she's my helper. So she, I said to her, this is my list. And she's like, Jade, would you hand that list to your best friend or loved one? And I go, no way in hell. That is ridiculous. And she's like, how on earth do you expect yourself to do that Mm. if you don't hand that to a loved one? Like that is just not, you can't do that every day. That's why you burn out. So I've been learning to only list what's important, right? And then I halve it and then I move it to the next day. So I don't get overwhelmed because realistically, I don't need to pull out a whole closet and change everyone's rooms around, or I don't need to do like really like things that just don't matter. What actually matters today? And so when I wake up feeling really tired or exhausted, or the kids have done something to make me even more tired, I pick three things and it might be having a shower, getting my kids to school, and eating. And they're my three things. Some days I I look at my life in a week. So there could be a day that's really, really relaxed. And then there could be a day that I'm really productive. And instead of thinking every day has to be productive, it has really changed the way I look at my life to not get myself in such a stressed state. Mm. So, yeah, I it's love just putting tip. a couple of things on lists that I've also already completed. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then ticking yeah, yeah, it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, love, I love that. that. Where you're like, oh, yep, already did that. Like, drink coffee. Oh, yeah, got that. Pop oh, that yep. in. God, she's productive. <laughs> <laughs> Done a poo. Yep. <laughs> yes, I feel I'm the same with lists too, but I've decided my lists are suggestions like a list of suggestions and I tap into like how I'm actually like what you did too Jay like feeling like what do I feel like today do I actually feel like because sometimes you know I think we have this idea of like self-care needs to be rest and napping and watching Netflix no sometimes I genuinely am excited to sort Mm. out parts of my kitchen or Mm. really give something a good clean like sometimes that feels good and so I think just for me looking at my list and just being like, actually, my energy aligns with that today. I'm doing that. Mm. Th- that I found 
helpful for me too. So I don't know if that would be something you'd yeah. like to play with. A yeah. suggestion, a list of suggestions. I love suggestions. Mm. Here's your suggestions for today, Soph. What one would you like to tick off? Yeah. Go back to bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think that's all our questions we have for you today. Is there anything you would like to leave us with before we go? Yeah, I think just to get curious about the narrative of like, is my pleasure and prioritizing my pleasure, is that actually selfish? Because you know what? From my experience and that of the people who I work with, prioritizing your pleasure, when you do that, like you consider like, well, how selfish do I feel when I'm not screaming at my kids so much? How selfish do I feel when I'm actually present and connecting with the people that I love? How selfish do I feel when I am honoring my body and, you know, that kind of a thing. So, yeah, I think just being gentle with yourself, tuning in with what it is that you desire and allowing yourself a little bit of that and knowing that there's going to be a natural flow on to the people that you love. Mm. So everyone go out and walk on some rocks. <laughs> yeah, walk on some rocks, not some cocks. No, not or no. Dangerous. You can definitely <laughs> walk on some cocks. Whatever if you that's, want. If that's what your heart desires. Yes, yeah, just do what you feel is right. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us again. We'll speak yeah, to you in another two pleasure. years' time or maybe yeah. sooner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us and we'll link your new book in our show notes too. Oh, amazing. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. It's been lovely as always. Pleasure. 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 Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.